This is episode number 20 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell and Anita Lambert. Today we are going to talk about elective C-sections. We're going to chat through maybe some prep that we might consider, the plan going into it, and recovery afterwards. And I will tell you a little bit more about my own process of making the decision to have an elective C-section. So at the time that we are recording this, I am 37 weeks pregnant and this week I actually just got the scheduled C-section date for myself for this baby, which is coming up pretty, pretty close. I think that often most people will have probably made a decision earlier than this, or I know from my clients who have had elective or scheduled C-sections, it's usually before 37 weeks unless something comes up near the end of pregnancy. But for me, this decision really has just been ongoing and something I've been able to think through throughout the entire pregnancy. So that has been something that I've just taken my time with and really weighed all sides of the situation. And it has taken me this long to decide what I have wanted to do. So we are going for an elective C-section this time around, baby number two. If you aren't familiar with my story with my first birth, it was a planned home birth, which turned transfer to hospital and into an unplanned or emergent C-section. And uh, this time I was telling my clients, it just was so interesting when I was signing the consent forms in the OB's office. And it was just so relaxed. And last time signing consent forms for C-section, it was at the end of like 36 hours of labor. And I didn't even, I couldn't even see straight at that point. I didn't know what I was signing papers for. So just all a very different scenario this time around. So what I think is so key in this conversation is knowing that this is often not a simple decision for many people. And on the flip side, it really can be a simple decision for some. So Anita, with your patients who are perhaps having this same or wrestling with this conversation themselves, do you find both sides of that? Some it's difficult, some they know exactly what they want. Yeah, I would would totally agree. Um, I do think a lot of their decision is based on how the first birth went, how the first cesarean went. and clients recently who are going through this decision, um, I've been really glad that you've shared your experience, just because I've referred them basically to some of the podcasts or your resources. Um, and and some of them ask, I know we'll talk a bit later about public health considerations, and some of them ask me my opinion, but in the end, it's their decision. And I know that there's a lot saying, you know, if you can have a VBAC, go for it. Um, But over the years, the more I've learned and the more um, clients I've worked with and talking to people like you, I'm like, it's, I don't think there's a one way. And I really don't think, I don't think it's an easy decision. Generally, I've had some clients who they had a cesarean first time, they were happy with the recovery. And they're like, you know what, I'm just going to do it again. And it's an easy decision. But I would say a lot that I work with, it's, there's a lot of factors that they take in. Yeah, and I think that is so key for us to know is that there are so many factors and it can be a lot to unpack the physical, the mental, the emotional health side of things. It was interesting for me a couple weeks ago, I met with an OB for the first time because I'm in midwifery care for this pregnancy as well. And we can kind of talk about how that whole situation will pan out throughout the rest of this pregnancy and postpartum in a minute. But 
I was meeting with the nurse at the OB's office before I saw the OB and she was kind of talking through the reasons why some people will choose a c-section or some people will uh, go for a trial of labor or VBAC and she kept saying that vaginal birth is the safest option and I just wanted to be like okay I'm sure that's what the research is showing for, for many cases but in what like what are those factors that we are considering for being the safest option simply for baby's health for mom's health and if we are talking about mom's health what are those factors like what are we considering when we make these blanket statements that it will be the safest option for someone it just it's not quite that simple i don't think and i think to using that term safest like i know in terms of a lot of the research they are looking at the physical side and a lot of the times they're talking about chance of uterine rupture and those types of physical things but i think what may be missing is the mental health component and emotional health component um that should also be factored in so definitely having clients know the risks and benefits of the physical you know side to it but i think looking at the whole the whole picture and going back to the first birth i've noticed that that sometimes planning the next birth the first birth isn't always talked about um with the care provider and i think that that's a big component of that decision is to go back to the subsequent birth just so that everyone understands why they feel that way Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so my own process of thinking through this the decision making along this journey of pregnancy has been many factors as we talked about so first of all i had uh, a difficult road processing that first birth mentally and emotionally i absolutely suffered from some ptsd after that birth and I was mentioning this again to someone last night, and I know we've talked about it here, but I actually felt so supported and calm during the entire process of labor and through the C-section and afterwards. And it wasn't until a bit later that things started to feel scary for me. And I know that some people can feel similarly or they feel as though the process to the C-section itself was scary. So that can be different for everyone. For me, again, I felt supported during that. It wasn't until days weeks after the c-section itself that things felt off for me so in in thinking about a trial of labor i have to keep in mind that an emergency or unplanned c-section could absolutely be possible and i just really had to come to terms with the idea of being okay with that or not okay with that I don't know if I'm okay with that and for a variety of reasons, for the mental and emotional health aspects of it, but also for the physical aspects of that as well. I feel as though um, my body doesn't like to let go of babies that easily. It was a long labor to get not very dilated last time. Women in my family often carry babies for a long, long time. Uh, Inductions are a thing I need to consider and how I would be induced or the limited options for induction after a c-section with another pregnancy and birth those are things that i've had to think about um so the other side of things though are that and it feels so strange for me to even say this and to have been considering this is that i don't know if my heart was in a vaginal birth and last time it was like one million percent Like, I wanted to prepare. I wanted to experience it. I wanted to do all the things. I wanted to know what that was like. And this time, I just don't, I don't feel that fiery passion to go through all the steps, all the labor, perhaps all the prep before labor, and then into a vaginal birth as well. It just is not in my heart this time and with speaking with that nurse at the ob's office too that was something that she was mentioning for many people is that they they felt like they missed out on something perhaps the first time around if they had a c-section and were really wanting a vaginal birth and that's how i felt after that first c-section was that i totally missed out like i felt so disappointed that i didn't get to experience this whole range of labor and a vaginal birth and this time 
it's just not something that is important to me, which feels so strange because three years ago, I never, ever would have said that. So that has been a really interesting piece to wrestle with and also to really let go of any guilt or shame that has come along with that for me and to be able to say that to anyone and everyone, but specifically to my midwives, specifically to that OB, to let them know that, you know what, maybe I just don't care about a vaginal birth. It's just a weird spot to be in. The other factor that I've been considering as well, too, is my own core and pelvic health history uh, going into, say, a vaginal birth versus a C-section. So for me, I hold a lot of tension through my abdominal wall and into pelvic floor as well, too. And so there are definitely concerns that I have if we were to get to, say, a pushing phase of a vaginal birth and how that process would go and how that recovery for me would be. So I feel as though I'm not sure that I want to introduce another area, say, of trauma on my body since I've already had one major surgery and not knowing how my pelvic floor would respond to birth and also not being super interested this time around in this phase of my life to do the prep work that I would do believe would be helpful in going into a vaginal birth. So interested in your thoughts on that, Anita, do patients ask you about this too? Are there cases when a C-section would be recommended over a vaginal birth because of someone's pelvic floor health? That's definitely a good question. And I have had clients ask me and again, while I'd love for there to be an answer, it kind of goes along with a lot of other things we say. It really depends. And I honestly, with clients, I leave it up to them. I know the ones who do ask me, it tends to be, yeah, previous cesarean birth. Um, or some clients ask in terms of if they had pretty severe tearing, like a fourth degree tear. If kind of similar to like introducing trauma to that area again. So in those circumstances, I do talk to them. So for example, if they had quite a bit of tearing, um, I talk to them on how we would prep the pelvic floor, what state their pelvic floor is in. They've, they've often done quite a bit of work to get to that point um, that they've released a lot of tension. So I tell them if you know, you're going into this birth in a different state, often with way more awareness of your pelvic floor and core, um, that perhaps they didn't with the previous birth. So it doesn't mean the outcome is going to be the same, that they're going to have the same tearing. Um, and the, and we also just don't know. They may they may have that despite all the prep too. Um, so it's something for, again, them to consider and talk to their care provider about. Um, and then with the cesarean, I would say, again, there's no right or wrong answer either. And I've had other clients with the same thought process of you as you They've had trauma to one area. Do they want to necessarily give birth vaginally, um, not knowing what the outcome would be? So, because while I would love to say that prep guarantees like no tearing or anything, we can't say that. So, again, it's one of those things I never, there shouldn't really be anything that limits a client from deciding. Um, even prolapse, I've had some people ask, and I know on the Q&A, we've talked about that, you know, does a prolapse mean then that I should have a cesarean birth? And I tell them there's no guarantee that it's going to be worse um, off after vaginal birth. Plus, I think the thing to keep in mind, even with a cesarean birth, it doesn't rule out pelvic floor issues. I think that's an important thing to bring up um, because I, I do see a lot of clients after cesarean birth. And they're surprised to find out, like, why am I leaking or why do I have pain with intercourse or all these pelvic floor issues that they thought they kind of got the pass on from having a cesarean birth. So, yeah, there's really no straight answer for if there's a pelvic floor reason to choose one way or the other. Just as a pelvic physio, my role is to go through the different options and to explain how we're going to prepare how we're going to help with have uh, with having an efficient recovery regardless of what they choose um, and just to be a really good support and give guidance but also just education whatever they decide mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's so important to note that a C-section doesn't save us from having core and pelvic health concerns. And uh, I actually just booked my postpartum checkup with my public health physio the other day. And uh, we absolutely, again, as we did the first time, we'll be doing an internal vaginal assessment and then the abdominal wall assessment too because, yeah, these things are so connected. I would also love to know from your perspective, is there anything that might be helpful for the abdominal wall and pelvic floor in preparation for C-section? Yeah, I would say it's it's that general idea of making sure your pelvic floor, I talk to clients, it should act like a trampoline, like there should be give and there should be strength. So ideally going in, not with a lot of tone, like not having a super tight or hypertonic pelvic floor. Um, but then if you're going in with a weak pelvic floor, we also want to work on strengthening and, and promoting um, like strength and, and support in that area. So working on that the same way, also, you know, going through the whole core breath or piston breath, kind of however you look at it, that whole core canister um, is important. So the function of your TA as well as the rest of your core, um, all the supporting muscles like your glutes. So I would say basically going into it very similar to a vaginal birth um, that you kind of want that um, not excessive tone in the pelvic floor because often when I see moms after cesarean birth, they're usually, they usually tend to be more tense in the pelvic floor. And I know you've talked about your history with that and it just, there can be so many reasons why that happens. Um, so if we can help them go into a cesarean birth without that extra tone, it can help with their recovery as well. But even if that doesn't happen, I always tell them we're still going to work on this after birth. So to not be too concerned, but ideally working on pelvic floor and core strength and release work so it's not too tense. I love that. Let's talk about more of the prep leading up to the surgery. So that covers the core and pelvic health type scenarios, I think. I also will personally be doing some work with my naturopathic doctor as surgical prep leading up to the C-section. And I can give you more of an update on that postpartum because I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do yet other than... I know that I will be on antibiotics before that procedure as they go into the procedure and potentially afterwards. So we're going to start a probiotic before that. General advice from naturopathic doctor was to keep nutrients high and we just want to go into the surgery itself in as good health as possible because it is a highly stressful event for the body. So that's really going to be my focus going into it keeping active because again it helps me to feel really good in my body it is I know I've said this before but like more comfortable strength training than sleeping at this point which is so funny to me that that's even possible but that's exactly how I feel so keeping active and then just trying to sleep when I can and manage my stress and go into surgery feeling as good as possible in my body and my health the other side of things that I also have been considering a lot in making this decision is my mental and emotional health. And it's interesting, people often, when I tell them that we're going to do an elective C-section, a comment that is often made is that hopefully this birth will be healing for me in some way. And I just don't, I don't want to put that pressure around it, honestly. I don't know what that even will mean. I don't know if I need that. I don't know if I need this birth to be healing. I can totally understand how people go into their next birth having that mindset in mind. I don't think it's a bad thing whatsoever. But it just, for me, it feels a little constricting and a little scary. Like, what if it's not healing? Then what? Um, and I also think so much about what if this plan that we have doesn't go to plan because that's also highly possible you know it doesn't mean that because we now have it set out and consent forms are signed that it's just going to go step by step exactly how I'm expecting it to go and so I also have been joking that after I signed consent forms that I was totally just going to go into labor that night it would be so typical I didn't not yet but I'm still expecting it but I don't want to, again, I don't want to feel so set 
in my ways in this plan and that there's no deviation from it or that the recovery will be simpler this time or easier or less painful because it might not. None of those things might happen. I have no idea. So I'm just trying to keep feeling very open-minded about the whole situation. Yes, we will have some preferences set, um, but I don't feel like I need it to be healing in any way. I feel like I've done so much work leading up to this that I feel really at peace with the last birth and now looking forward to this birth and the recovery from it. I feel like I, I can handle it not being healing or I can handle it not going to plan. It might not be okay immediately, but I trust that it will be okay eventually. Because I know last time when you've talked about afterwards, something that helped you process it was talking a lot and Randy encouraged you to talk. So I think having gone through that and anyone listening who maybe is in the same boat as Jesse is kind of thinking about, yeah, what do you need for your mental and emotional health? Like, is it going to be having different support set up this time that maybe you didn't have last time? Um, Because I think that's probably one of the big things that clients talk to me about postpartum is not realizing how much support they needed um, or wanted until afterwards. Um, And I know it can be hard, especially with an unplanned cesarean. Like if you don't know that that's going to be happening going in, um, that's definitely a challenge in itself. Um, But for this episode, talking about if you're kind of planning it, you know, having those supports in place the best you can, I think can really help mental and emotional health. Yeah. And last time around, I had never been to counseling in my life before that whole procedure. So it kind of, it just felt like a lot thinking about wanting to access support and resources afterwards, not really knowing where to turn to or who might be a good fit. And this time I've worked with a couple different counselors and uh, current counselor that I've seen is able to come to our home afterwards for sessions. So I just feel really comfortable with that whole situation too. I mean, it really will be an email away and she will come to us if we need her to. So that feels really comforting. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I've been thinking a lot about is setting up our home for post-surgery and making that as comfortable as possible. So last time I was just so surprised by how limited my mobility felt in general, how long it took me to be able to lie down comfortably enough on my back and side to side. It really took a good couple weeks. So the bed situation was terrible. Trying to prop yourself up on like 17 pillows at night or during the day when you're trying to rest, but then having to shift around to feed your baby however you're feeding your baby or try to grab your baby out of the bassinet which was our situation it was kind of a nightmare and one of the most frustrating parts for us so this time i'm actually looking into hospital bed rental which i think hopefully will be extremely helpful i remember last time we got home from the hospital and i pretty much wanted to turn back around just to go back for the hospital bed so we are definitely thinking about renting a hospital bed i know some people have used reclining chairs that have been really helpful for them anything that will help comfort in restful positions so also just thinking about doing some food prep and having easy access food ready to go pain meds that will be stocked easy access to everything that I might need. I was actually just thinking about this today, going through basically my whole closet and bringing out all the clothes that might be useful postpartum, comfortable postpartum, uh, nursing friendly if nursing goes, uh, if we go that route again this time. And then the last thing I was thinking is just making sure that Randy knows where my important things are (laughs) so I can direct him easily to get me whatever I might need. And then of course, just as much support as possible in those first few days, that week after getting home from the hospital. So we are gonna be really lucky to have family help. Um, We have a whole host of family flying in from Ontario across the country, and they will be able to help with our three-year-old and help us at home too, cooking and taking care of the house and doing anything that we might need. So yeah, that's a big focus this time too, is just setting up the whole life to make it as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's a key how you talked about, you know, fam- you have family and friends who are coming to help. And I know Randy's going to be off um, for a bit as well. And for those listening who may not have that same support, considering a postpartum doula could be really helpful. Um, and kind of the nice thing about a postpartum doula is because they aren't family and friends, you feel like you can really ask them to do anything. It is something that you would pay for. Um most places i'm not sure if anywhere it could be covered potentially um but since you are paying for them and their knowledge and expertise um sometimes it takes that awkwardness or edge off of asking family to do certain things because a doula like that's what their job is is to help you with different things they can also depending on their training um help with nursing um but anything just around the house in terms of to do with baby help you get settled in um with adding either the first or a subsequent baby to your family and uh and the other thing you mentioned too is family to help with steel so if you're having an elective cesarean and you have other kids to keep in mind of trying to plan if you can support and help with them because again after cesarean you're told don't lift anything other than your baby for six weeks and uh, i had a client recently who she was like, yeah, they told me that. And I laughed, like, how am I supposed to do that with three other kids? So it is one of those things where if you can get that help, at least the first little bit with lifting, um, and even just watching and occupying your other children, it could really help too. I'm so interested to see how that goes this time. Last time I just felt like I could surrender to that healing process so easily because it was just newborn baby. And that was our life. But this time there's a three-year-old, a three-year-old who wants to be on my body constantly right now, of course. So I'm just, yeah, it's like the lifting, the carrying, but even just a child that wants to be on you so often, like the discomfort of that, I will report back for sure. (laughs) Um, And then we wanted to talk about, you know, the the surgical plan or considerations that you might talk to your OB about, um, whether it's techniques or even just how the birth plays out, just because with being an elective cesarean, um, I know Jess, you'll talk more about this, but get it, being able to talk to the OB before and having appointments with them and everyone, it'll be different because depending when you decide um, to have your cesarean and because there's a call schedule and everything, you may get someone else, but um, things to even talk about. I know around the world, and there's a lot more being out on social media about the idea of a gentle cesarean, which has so many meanings to it. Um, Sometimes you can request like a clear sheet versus like the traditional blue sheet. So you can actually see what's going on. Um, There's so many different things. And Jess, I'll have you elaborate on that because I know you said you were talking to um, the OB from Steele's birth, just about different options. And then you mentioned, you know, do some of these things even really matter to you? But I think it's good to talk about so other people can hear maybe what potential options could be depending on their hospital and the OB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have had a couple meetings or appointments now with the OB who did our c-section the first time and i never thought that i would ever see her again in my life so it's been so cool to actually sit down with her and speak with her what's interesting though is that she cannot do uh the next c-section just the way that call schedule works out she will not be on shift during those times again how crazy would it be if the universe though if i go into labor and she's on call I think that would be so wild. We were joking about that the other day when I saw her. So the situation for us going forward is that we are booked in to a specific day, a specific time. The OB on call will be the one doing the surgery. I will not meet that OB until that day, until that morning, which is a bit unsettling for me. I just feel like I want to talk to them beforehand and I want to go through the preferences and is it going to feel really rushed when we get there in the morning and they're trying to do all this stuff and 
how long will I get to speak with them for before we even go into the operating room? So it just feels like some unknowns right now. So that all just feels a little bit unsettling right now. I would love even one appointment with her beforehand to talk through some things. Um, but again, I feel like this is probably just a lesson in patience and from the universe. Although that being said, I'm definitely going to try to contact her beforehand. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out and it will be okay on the day if that is how this all needs to go. Anita, you were mentioning mm -hmm. gentle cesarean or baby-led cesarean, which is a term that some people use as well. So I don't know if I'm going to ask for a clear drape versus the blue drape. I'm not sure if that I'm not sure if it's something that I care about. I know that some people have loved that and it's helped them to feel more involved perhaps in the process. I think that's so cool. Uh, one of our guests on the podcast, Brianna Battle, she had that in her last C-section and there's some really cool pictures she has of that. So something to check out if you're interested. I asked about having, um, this is not specific to the surgery itself, but I asked about having a birth photographer in the OR and they won't allow the photographer in but the midwife can take pictures so we'll see what we can get on that because that'll be cool and otherwise other things that I am interested in and maybe you can talk a bit more on this is with regards to the specific surgical techniques one thing that I have heard is that I might want to request that the OB sutures up the recti heads and my abdominal muscles below the belly button or below the umbilicus. Is that something from a pelvic health, an abdominal wall standpoint that you would recommend or you would want if you were having a cesarean? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, I feel like I can see the benefit for sure. Um, but I also feel like every, every OB seems to have like, I mean, how they were trained is obviously how they do um, their cesarean birth. And so it could be, if they're not used to doing a specific technique, I don't think it's something that necessarily will happen, especially if it's a call situation and you don't know who you're going to get at that point to request a technique they don't do. I'm not guessing that that's going to happen. Um, but I think it's worth bringing up and just asking them, you know, about their techniques. And I do think, you know, hearing from different clients, I've heard some clients say that their um, OB was surprised that they had a diastasis just from the sutures they put in after. So I think there's just so many techniques and so many thoughts behind a diastasis, why it happens, how it happens um, from both the surgical side, but then also from the client side or from like an allied health professional side. So I think it's worth having the discussion and maybe asking more about the technique so you can understand more. Um, but I think that might be tricky in terms of requesting anything specific in that area. What might be the benefit of that mm -hmm. suturing up those abdominal muscles? Yeah. Well, it could be in terms of, I think maybe, I'm not trying to get ahead of a diastasis, but just in terms of having that extra support of those muscles while like while the tissue heals um could could be beneficial but then in the same way like I've seen so many clients who've had a cesarean birth and without knowing actually what technique un, you know deep that they actually did I mean I've seen so many that I I I don't think they all would have had a specific technique done and I've seen healing on every spectrum so that's why I kind of say, you know what, it, it could be helpful, but I don't, I wouldn't say without having a specific technique that you're guaranteed to have a poor outcome or anything like that, because I think what you go in with the birth makes a difference too. Um, and then going with whatever the surgeon's used to doing, like if that's what they do to ask for them to change it, um, I don't think will likely happen. Yeah, I think, I just think kind of bottom line is it's worth talking to them about it. Um, and even from an OB side, they may or may not really discuss it, kind of depending if they really feel like it's worth the time talking about it. If they're just like, this is how I do cesarean, 
this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm not sure there's, you know, that's not going to be changing. So just to kind of get an idea from their side, uh, they, that's what they're trained to do. And they just learn their techniques from whoever they learned from and it gets passed down as well. And one other thing we were speaking about is if I was sutured up after C-section with steel or staples and I had sutures, what might be benefit of one versus the other or are there? Yeah, I want, I personally want to look more into this as well. Um, I know talking to other pelvic physios and just seeing with clients over the years, um, and I find now sutures are just used more in general. Staples aren't used as much, at least where I am. Um, I find sutures tend to, the healing seems to be um, a bit better. But again, I've seen clients with staples and it's not, and they've healed well as well. So um, yeah, it's a good question in terms of I'd like to look more into it. I just know that staples aren't used nearly as much. And there's kind of talk about them not healing quite as well. And the only thing from my end that I've heard with that in terms of what clients report is that they had seemingly a bit more discomfort with the staples pulling on their clothes or whatnot. So that also could be something to consider, just something to ask about. I think that these are just all things that can be important to have conversations around so you know what to expect. Again, if this is an elective procedure, it might just help with peace of mind during and afterwards. The last thing that I was speaking to the OB about uh, this week at my appointment was if baby will be able to do skin to skin immediately after the surgery itself. Because I remember with Steel, it felt like she was on my chest immediately in the operating room. And I know that that is not always an option we absolutely have to see how baby's health is before that is an option for mom but knowing that that can for sure happen if things are going well so you again might want to be asking your ob about that if you can do skin to skin quite soon after baby is born um and then in terms of talking about the recovery so kind of thinking about how your recovery was last time, Jess, versus do you think it'll be different this time, whether kind of in the hospital, but also those first few days when you're at home? Yeah, this is something that I have thought about a lot for sure. I'm really interested to see the difference in what it is like to sleep at night at home and then drive to the hospital in the morning to have a baby. I think that that'll be a strange experience for sure, but I'm also interested in how my body will respond to that versus having not slept and having labored for a couple days beforehand. I feel like that must affect recovery on some level. So again, I'm just interested to see how that feels in my body. Second thing that people told me before going into birth with steel, if C-section were to happen, don't be a hero about it. Take the pain meds when the nurses give them to you at home take the pain meds stay on top of it it was something that i did and i was a little bit uncomfortable with some of the pain medication uh, that they were giving in hospital and that they sent me home with so i didn't take those ones at home but i had a strong supply of extra strength tylenol and advil going on for at least the first week 10 days and i just think it was surprising at times if I got off my schedule, just how quickly that pain could ramp up. So I do think it's important to stay on top of um, and try trying to rest as much as possible. I absolutely did too much physically in those first few days at home, the first week at home. So this time I definitely have my intentions set on resting more. I also think that I should have stayed at the hospital longer the first time around. We were there for 36 hours after the C-section, and I just really wanted to go home at that point, and my midwives were comfortable with us going home. This time, I told my midwife that I have no issues with staying longer. <clears throat> I have no issues with staying longer. I think we'll be there at least two nights. 
I think that's even on the shorter side than some countries might have their standard C-section guidelines. That's pretty standard here, though, for at least 48 hours. So I believe that we will do that. And I think that, yeah, I'm going to, I feel really ready to accept help and to be waited on and to uh, start surrender, surrendering into this next phase, uh, which I have been definitely feeling like I've wanted to avoid, but now getting to that point where I'm just ready to maybe snuggle a baby for a while. And looking at um, scar care, I know we talked about it in a previous episode, Um and we've talked a bit about, I do talk to clients about massaging the scar, touching the scar. Definitely that is not something you're doing that first day, first few weeks. You want it to heal properly. Um, but eventually starting to touch it so that it can actually help not just the physical, but emotional and um, mental healing as well. Um, but just what would you say in terms of those first few yeah, days with scar healing? Because I know some clients end up having... Some clients have had infection, some the sutures or staples have actually opened, and that tends to be when they're doing too much, um, kind of too much work, and the, the tissue just needs that time to close and heal. Um, so what would you say, what did you do after steel with the scar care for those first kind of few days, and would you change anything this time around? Yes, great question. So uh, I did get an infection, which started around eight, nine days postpartum. And I really, of course, there could be so many reasons for that. But at day five or six, I did way too much and started to feel a little feverish and achy after that day at night. And then things I just noticed started ramping up from there until it was full blown emergency like gotta get to urgent care situation at like day eight so this time yeah I'm just interested to see how I can support that healing better with the scar itself um at the hospital they gave us these little tubes of saline solution to use to clean the scar so I would essentially just recline back in bed you just put the solution over it. You kind of let it run off, pat it dry around the area. So I'll be continuing to do that. Interested in your thoughts on using silicone over the scar. I actually haven't had anyone use that yet that I'm aware of. Um, I've heard it's starting to be used, but I actually haven't looked too much into it. So that is a good thing. Um, because I have heard about it a little bit more, but I haven't had anyone actually use it. Okay, yeah. me either. And I've just started to look into it a little bit. So again, I'll report back. We'll for sure do a postpartum episode on all of this stuff. And I'll let you know if I did use it. Um, and otherwise, for scar care, yeah, I started doing some gentle massage techniques around five weeks postpartum. And I just couldn't believe the difference in how it physically felt it was so lumpy around that whole region before I started doing any work on it and then just got so much smoother so much more comfortable after that point so that is something that I definitely recommend to everyone now and I learned those techniques from my pelvic health physio and then started practicing them on myself that's what I, I always talk about some clients will see them as early as four weeks but others not until six or seven weeks um and I always take a look at how the actual scar is healing obviously you're not massaging over any open areas or if there is an infection um, but if that's all clear and things are starting to heal massaging and for some people they're more comfortable just massaging or touching above and below the scar and eventually on the scar so there's different techniques we'll even put in the notes a little video that I did on uh, the technique that I teach clients um, but it's really important because there are women I see months or years down the road who have never touched the scar don't want to look at it very dissociated from it and it's still numb and at that point it shouldn't be so working on this sooner and just working your way up for some clients as well i'll even have them if they don't want to touch it yet but it is healing properly if they're still like wearing the high-waisted pants or have a tank top over top i'll have them just start gently touching it over top of clothes i've had another client recently who she actually had her partner do a little bit of work because she was fine if I massaged it or her partner massaged it. She just wasn't there yet. So 
finding kind of creative ways just to start getting some feeling there. Um, and that numbness can definitely go away and kind of the nodules or lumps that just talked about. Um, the sooner you can get those to resolve, that's also going to help your core heal as well. I love that advice. It's just so great for people because you're kind of left in the dark about that after a C-section. It is not mentioned 99.9% .9 of the time that it will not be something that anyone recommends to you unless you are seeing pelvic health physio or some other practitioner. In terms of returning to movement, last time around, I got back to some really gentle movement around two weeks post C-section. And I really felt like that was so beneficial for me. Again, physical, mental, emotional health levels to be getting back to some basic breath work, some low level glute activation work on the floor, glute bridges, clamshells, um, just really trying to connect to pelvic floor and abdominal wall. Uh, train the diaphragm to get moving again because it felt so stuck after that and just move and stretch and breathe so i think that it is comforting to know that you do not have to wait forever you do not have to wait six weeks before you start moving your body after c-section if you feel like it will help you to feel less achy less stiff better in your mind and body you absolutely can start slow pretty early on and I'd agree. And I think that's a good point to bring up is kind of exercise. Because I think, again, there's that blanket statement we've talked about so often is like at six weeks, you get the green light. But that doesn't mean not to move before, because you do need to move. And so a lot of what Jess is talking about is kind of restorative rehab type exercises. I go over with my clients as well. Um, they are not strenuous. You know, you're not squatting 100 pounds. It's it's very different. So it's just kind of getting your body moving again in a good way, feeling good. And then even at that six week mark, it's not a green light to necessarily go and squat a hundred pounds um, or go sign up for a marathon. It's there's so many steps in between to get you there. Um, but I think it's good to bring up of, yeah, getting moving before is a good thing. Um, and I have some clients too, where I'll just teach them a couple of things. Like you could technically do a bridge in bed. If you don't feel like getting down to the floor, there are things that you can do in other positions or other surfaces that might be more accessible just to get you moving. Absolutely. I also really like to tell people that I didn't go on my first walk until five weeks after my C-section. And I feel like that's kind of what we think of as the way to get back into all movement postpartum is to get walking again. It just didn't feel great on my body and I felt like the amount of newborn care I was doing that was on my feet was just enough time on my feet and I wanted to be in different ranges of motion. So the uh, yeah, so the more core plus floor restore type work where I was on my back or on my sides or in a quadruped position on hands and knees just was a different stimulus for my body that felt really nice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good point to bring up, Jess. We'll make sure to put in uh, the show notes that Jess, for those who are listening who don't know, Jess has put together a great postpartum kind of restorative and rehab exercise program. And there's one whether you have a vaginal birth or cesarean birth, right, Jess? Is that still the case? Yeah. Yes. Um, and so if you're planning to have a cesarean, I think it's great to take a look at that because then, and to have it ahead of time, because a lot of my clients find that's the biggest part is exercise or movement postpartum there is zero guidance other than maybe a random paper from your hospital which might be a little bit out of date telling you to do sit-ups at six weeks um that to have this information ahead of time and you know go over it ahead of time start doing exercises while you're pregnant um and then that makes the recovery i see so many clients the recovery feels easier to them because these are familiar movements they know how their body works um and they're just promoting that healing process. So we'll be sure to put that in the show notes so you can check it out. One note I just wanted to make on baby wearing, which was absolutely a lifesaver for me early postpartum. And I know can be something that is so essential for people who have one baby or if you have multiple babies and it's really not an option to not wear your baby. Just pay attention, pay keen attention, be aware to how your body is feeling 
during and after baby. And if you are noticing more discomfort around your abdominal wall or scar after a period of wearing baby, there are different carriers for sure that can affect how wearing babies feels on your body. But also knowing that sometimes in those early days, early weeks after C-section, it really might not be that comfortable on your body to wear for especially long periods of time. So again, just being aware, I absolutely know that sometimes you just got to do whatever you got to do to get that baby to settle. So I completely understand if you're wearing and it is uncomfortable, but if you can try to shift your position as often as possible when wearing baby sitting down when you can and maybe not wearing for extended periods of time when you're still in that healing phase that is early on Mm -hmm. and i think it's good to mention with that as well because i know for some moms baby wearing is a really important not just necessarily a necessity for what they need to do but it's actually emotionally like really important to them that they baby wear So if this happens to you that you do try it soon after and it's not comfortable, just to be aware that that doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be uncomfortable, but to listen to your body, if it's not ready for it yet, just to give it that time if you can, um, and then try it again a bit later. And you may need to try it, you know, a few times later on, and then you'll kind of find that time where it actually does feel good on your body. Um, So just something to bring up because I do have clients where it's actually very emotionally and mentally and physically important to them they're bonding with their baby as well such an important point um so thanks so much for listening today we hope you found today's episode really helpful I know hearing um Jess's perspective on planning for a an elective cesarean birth I think will help so many um moms so if this is you we hope this was helpful and if you know another mom who's planning please share this episode with them so they can get this information they may not get elsewhere on the next episode we're so lucky to have amy dawes with us amy is doing incredible work locally and in australia where she lives and globally around birth trauma trying to ensure more education and support exists for those who have experienced birth trauma and to prevent traumatic birth experiences for birthing people. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 